a teacher for the visually impaired who also does quite a bit of lecturing. So welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Well, you know, one of the things that so many times parents will ask us is, how do I raise a child who has low vision? I have never done this before, and I actually don't even know someone with low vision. But what are some of the things that you are going to be sharing with us this evening? Well, I think it's always, when you find out you have a child with low vision, I think it's always good to reach out to agencies like the Braille Institute or Partners for Pediatric Vision or your low vision optometrist to kind of help guide you through the process. It's really important for parents to know that they're not alone in this. There's agencies and individuals and teachers that will definitely help them through this process. And I think the, the main take-home thing for um, if you're a parent with a child with a visual impairment, you just really um, understand that it's your child is a child first who just happens to have a visual impairment. And so I think it's important to, teach the child, or to interact with the child like you would any other child that you may have. Um, the child should have expectations to do chores at their particular level. They should, um, you know, have responsibilities. They should do things as much as they can, um, just like their, their siblings. That's really, really helpful that you say that because I see it so frequently that we will have a child who comes into our clinic and we see grandma and grandpa there, dad and mom, grandma and grandpa from the other side of the family, and every one of them, they are doing everything possible for that child. That child doesn't even have to hold on to his or her bottle. They don't have to <laughs> hold on to their toys. Every single thing is being done by one of these adults. And uh, it's very good that you explain that to them. Now, Dr. Christian, how do you recommend that we as professionals, or maybe that we're just friends or family members of a child with low vision, how do you recommend that we inform the parents and the grandparents of not doing too much without making them upset? Absolutely. I think by getting knowledge, first of all, parents really should understand who's a low vision optometrist or who's the working about the child's diagnosis and what that really means and um, what and then what aids are out there that can help the child and kind of give them an understanding of what the child can see and what they can't see. But also encourage them that their child can do so much with the right encouragement and the right guidance. They may need more hand-over-hand techniques. They may, they, children may need more verbal descriptions so that they can understand what's going on. But with guidance, these kids can do so much, and it just had an expectation for them to try. And even if they may not do it right the first time, but with practice and a little bit more practice, you'll be surprised at what they can do. It's just letting them try. I think that's a, a thing to, you know, remember, just letting them try and kind of guide them through the process. But I think you're right, Dr. Bill, that we shouldn't do everything for them. And um, sometimes it's it's easier if the parent does things for them. Maybe the parent is in a rush. 
mistake or they don't have time. But when you stop and let the child do something, like learn how to pull their bottle, even though it may take a lot longer, or teaching them how to take out the trash, they are learning independence. They are learning that they are expected to do things, and they're learning that they're part of the family and that they are contributing. And so I think it's important for them to have those, those expectations. I think that is so important. And also in the sense that if the child with low vision happens to have brothers and sisters, the brothers and sisters are happy to see that that low vision child doesn't get spoiled. You know, because I hear it all the time where a brother or sister say, you know what, my mom and dad, they never make Dylan do anything, and i got to do all these chores. That's not fair. And I think that's true, but I think it's um, I think it's important that whatever chores that you give the child with low vision is appropriate for the child, because you want to make sure that they're successful. It's something that they can do, or something they can learn to do, or something they can learn to do in depth, that they can be successful at it as well. And then maybe you talk to the siblings about you know these you know how the chores are appropriate for the individual. Each child is different. Each child has different expectations. This is appropriate for Dylan, and this is maybe appropriate for Johnny. But we're all responsible for different things, and all, everything that we all do together contributes to the family. And I think that it's important for the siblings who may feel a little jealous to make sure that mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or auntie and uncle give individual time to each kid individually. And that way, each child has a, has an opportunity to shine, to feel like they're loved, to feel like they're special. But make sure, you know, you try to even it out as much as you can. Sometimes it's harder because there's a lot of responsibilities with some of our kids. Um, but try to do your best to make sure that each member of the family feels loved and cherished and part of the family. That's very, very good. Now, Dr. Christian... Can you describe for our audience tonight what happens What happens to a child's development if it is where the parents do everything for that child? If that child doesn't get the opportunity to try to crawl or to try to stand or to use his or her hands, how, how do those types of lack of experience affect the child? Does it hinder a child's overall development if the parents do everything for the child? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're, um, you're not giving that child a chance to learn, to grow, to interact with the world. It's really crucial for a child to be able to learn how to walk. And it may take where you're showing the child how to move their legs because they may not be able to see somebody else do it. So, that child deserves the opportunity to learn, to grow, and to do things for themselves. And um, the more you expect and the more you um, teach the child, it's easier on the parents because the parents have less responsibility and it makes the, the family as a whole a little bit stronger if the child can be independent as much as they can 
So it, it's just you have to, like, work with um, maybe early interventionists, um, like somebody with a grown tattoo that can model how to show, model how you can get the child to crawl or, you know, you take the child's hand and you hold it on the, the bottle and kind of teach them. You know, it may take some time, but trust me, in the long run, you know, it's well worth the effort and the time and the patience to see your child grow and interact in the world and understand the world. And the one thing that um, for parents that have a child with low vision, the one thing I can't stress enough is that to verbalize to your child. Tell them what's going on. Help them make the connections that they may not be able to see. Um, if you have an older child who maybe, you know, is learning how to play with tears, you may have to tell them, well, maybe there's some kids over there in the sandbox that are playing. Maybe you want to go over there and, you know, sit down and play with them. Because if you don't tell the children, the child with low vision that there's other kids playing, they may never know about it. So it's really important to help the child with low vision to fill in those gaps so that they can kind of help understand the world better. But, no, you definitely want to put the time and effort into teaching your child as much as you can to help them be as independent as possible. And, again, there's um, agencies, if you don't know how to do it, there's agencies like the Bell Institute, um, Wayfinder Family Services, Partners for Pediatric Vision, Teachers of the Visually Impaired, they can all help parents um, learn how to do this. That is so good that you say that because I have had kids tell me that. They would say to me, you know, when I was little, we would go to the park and I was always sitting there with my parents and I never got to play with the other kids. And the reason I didn't play with the other kids is I didn't even know there were other kids over there. I couldn't see them. And the parents felt, the parents feel so bad when the kids say that. And part of it is that many times it will be the parents say, we didn't want to tell them that there's other kids over there because that would make the child feel bad that they didn't see them. But it's actually more important that even at a young age as possible that the children learn to rely on the words of others and to ask questions so they could really understand what's around them. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, encourage yourself to ask questions um, so that they can, when they're asking questions, it's something that they don't know about, and by you, a parent giving them feedback back, it's filling in those gaps. They're making connections. They're understanding the world a lot more. So absolutely, they, the younger they're able to ask questions, the better off they are. And, you know, just so that they can understand what's going on. Absolutely. And then, you know, the other thing is, you know, maybe before your child interacts with the kids at the sandbox or on the monkey board, you might have to take some time to show your kids how to climb and, like, do hand-over-hand techniques to show them how to climb up the stairs and go down the slide. Because if they can't see it, they don't know how it's done. And so the parents may be... The parents may need to show the kids how to climb up the, the ladder for the slide and come down it. That way they know how to do it. And when they go and interact with their friends or their potentially their new friends, 
they're already they already know how to do the activities that their these new friends might want to engage in, and it might be easier for them to have you know make new friends if they already have some skills behind them, like knowing how to use a slide or a swing, or you know kind of playing around, just playing. So that way the child can feel like they're part of it when they're playing alongside the child. Well, they're playing alongside the other kids and they're an active participant. They're not just yes. doing that. Yes, and you know, I want to share a little personal story. Um, some of you may know me, uh, others of you do not, but I went to optometry school to become a pediatric low vision optometrist. And it was just something that I loved so much. And so I then began to work at the Center for the Partially Sighted, where we then would examine children with low vision. And we would help them to be able to go through their infanthood and transition to preschool and go on to school. And we would see these kids graduate and get married. And it is just so rewarding to see how these kids could live a wonderful life. But something really, really tragic happened to me, and this was where I then developed a disease of the retina. It's something called rod cone degeneration. And I began to lose vision, and it was absolutely so devastating. And it got to the point where I couldn't read anymore. I couldn't identify people's faces I couldn't definitely not see well enough to examine the eyes of a child. And I realized that I needed to retire. And as I retired, I became so depressed. First of all, I was so embarrassed. That would be the best way to describe it. I was so embarrassed of having poor vision or being legally blind. So I never wanted to leave my home. I didn't want to see anybody we knew. I didn't even want to see my relatives or my parents and my brothers and sisters. I didn't want anybody to see me because they would think it's pathetic that I just can't see anything very well. And number two, I suddenly had nothing to do. Whereas before, I was working six days a week at the clinic. And suddenly, I have all of this time and nothing to do. And number three, I felt so bad because my wife, June, and I, we had two children. My daughter was in middle school, and our son was in elementary school, and I really didn't know how they were going to react. Are they going to be so embarrassed that their dad can't see? How, how are they going to behave? Is this going to create all sorts of other problems? But anyways, one night, it was back-to-school night at my daughter's middle school. And she said, Dad, will you come to my open house? And I said, yes, absolutely. I want to come and see how you're doing and things. So we get to the school, and she says, Dad, I want to go into this class first. And we go into that class, and the first thing that I hear is Mr. Christian's voice. That is the husband of Dr. Diane. And my daughter says, Mr. Christian, it's Jamie. It's Jamie Takeshita, and my dad's here. He wants to say hi. And Mr. Christian comes over right away, and he gives me a hug, and he puts his arm around me, and he says, 
hey, take my arm. I'm going to show you around my classroom. And it was wonderful to see his classroom. And he's introducing me to each person that's in there. And then he introduces me to a representative from a new closed-circuit television company who brought in a new device. And he says, I want you to see this, Dr. Bill. This is something that's new. And he's going to demonstrate this for us now. So as he turned on the new closed-circuit television and was showing Mr. Christian and I and the other people in the audience how to use it, Mr. Christian just suddenly says, hey, well, how am I supposed to know what's the difference between this key and that key on the keyboard? I mean, I, I can't use this if I can't see the letters on the keys. And I was actually a little bit embarrassed for Mr. Christian. I said, wow, he interrupted him in the middle of his presentation for that question? And the representative said, you know what? That is a great, great question. And I want to show you something. If you feel on this key, you could feel a little dot. And if you feel the key next to it, you'll feel a little dash. And that's the way you know the difference between those two keys. And Mr. Chris said, oh, my God, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. And the representative from the company said, no. Your question is fantastic. And he went on to say how there are so many times that people that he works with who have low vision never ask questions. They're afraid to ask questions. And because they don't ask questions, they don't get their answers. And that stuck with me ever since that day. I said, I need to be more like Mr. Christian. I need to ask these questions, and it's okay. And as I started to do that, I found that being low vision and blind became so much easier. It became easier to the point where, again, I'm able to work again. So, Dr. Krishna, I want to thank you and your husband for everything that you have done for me to allow me to be back in work and to be working with you. Thank you very much. You're entirely welcome. It's been our pleasure to work with you, and we've learned as much from you, I think, as you've learned from us just in a different way. And I think, oh. Dr. Bill, you're, you're right. It's, it's encouraging your your child to ask those questions so that they know and um, helping them have the confidence to do it. And I think you said something earlier about being embarrassed. And I think as parents, we need help, you know, our child not be embarrassed if they um, maybe spill something or drop something or maybe run into a trash can. I really encourage them to have a sense of humor and kind of show them how, okay, everyone may trip over a trash can, but you have to pick yourself back up and keep on moving forward. And, um, you know, and how do you get over that sense of embarrassment with a good, I'm having good self-confidence. And then, um, you know, not being embarrassed maybe to use a cane, but, you know, maybe start, if mobility is an issue, to start cane at an early age. So a child feels comfortable using the cane and knows how to use it to get around. And, um, you know, just so they can feel empowered about being um, independent in their travel. Or, you know, um, if eating, sometimes eating can be an issue. Um, make sure to practice good technique at home. So if the child with low vision goes out to a restaurant, 
both you and the child are confident in their eating, so they, they don't have to feel embarrassed that they know how to do these skills and they can do them confidently regardless of the situation they're at. And I think that, you know, just having kind of expectations that you can do this, but you may not be able to do it the way the child was, um, was fully excited, maybe. So let's, let's figure this out. Let's think outside the box. How can we do that? If it's, even if it's putting dots on keyboards so that you know which keys you are, that's great. You can take that technique and use it on a microwave, and you can mark, uh, mark a microwave um, with different dots and things so that a child can learn how to make the breakfast. Like maybe they want to make microwaveable oatmeal in the morning, and they can do it independently. So there are ways of marking things like little things about keyboards, um, feeling confident in what you do, and feeling confident of how you do things so that you can go out to that world and conquer it and do it such as get. And I think with the technology that's available today, I think it's opened so many doors for people to build vision that, you know, there's so much out there that they can do. I'm a yes. full believer because I see you do it all the time. I see my husband do it all the time. My husband is you know, legally blind as well. And, you know, he can't see the screen on his iPhone, but he, I think he manages his iPhone a lot better than I can. Because he just, he knows it, he's practiced it, he's learned the technique. And um, I think if you put the time and effort into it, you'll be amazed at what you can do. Or a child you know, what What this really shows, too, is that many times when we have a child with low vision, we think that we need to get a good eye doctor. And having a professional eye doctor who is well-recognized is very important. But even more important yeah. than that is the teacher for the visually impaired. Yeah. And the reason that I say that is because my eye doctor told me things about my eye disease, and he told me that surgery will not help at this time. But it was Keith Christian where I learned all of these other skills. And after I left that particular night, his room, when we were at the open house at school, he says, hey, Bill, I'll see you Saturday. I said, Saturday? What's going on? He says, well, I'm going to come to your house, and we're going to go over all these things and come up with solutions. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to be home. We're going to be busy that day. He said, no, you're not. I just asked your wife, and she told me you will be home. <laughs> so your husband came over, and it was the best day of my life. It really was. I learned how to cook. I learned how to label. I learned how to identify which is my toothbrush. I mean, everything, identify clothing, it was just wonderful. So we need to make certain that the parents understand the importance of these other teachers, and there's so much information that we could give them. So how do you recommend that we help the parents to remember all of this information that they are going to receive from a, a psychologist or a teacher for the visual impaired or an eye doctor do you recommend that we somehow record this? Um, you can record it. I, it, it. Obviously, with the doctor's permission, 
taking notes, um, working with different agencies like, you know, Brown Institute, Wayfinders, Partners for the Division, the Teacher for the Vision Impaired. It's a journey. And, you know, sometimes we forget those little details. But what you do is, what you want to do as a parent is to build your support system. And with your support system, you can help your child develop. Because you may not remember everything all the time, but if you have that support behind you to kind of help you remember or to reintroduce things, I think it's, you know, it's really important. But, um, yeah, and I think that it's really important to go visit your low vision optometrist or your specialist because there's always new technology coming in. There may be new treatments. There may be a new surgery. So you always want to see if there's anything that's changed since the last time your child had a, a vision exam to see if there's anything else that can be done for your child. The field is changing so much and developing so much that you just never know. But, it, you know, it just, you know, I always encourage families that I work with that have um, kids with low vision to attend conferences, to, um, you know, check with their low vision optometrists, just to see what they're the latest and greatest is coming up because luckily the field is changing and developing so quickly, and that just means more and more options for kids with vision of what they can do and what they can't do. In terms of independent living skills, either cooking, um, you know, mobility, or, uh, you know, accessing the computers or print, now there's, you know, apps on your iPhone or your smartphone that you can take a picture of something and we'll read it to you. And yeah. I think that one of the things that parents need, at least I did as a, as a parent, is having reassurance that my kid will be okay. And I think if a parent gets information about their child's diagnosis, what does that mean? What are the potential treatments or what is, are the potential devices that can help your child, I think it kind of reassures them that, okay, it's going to be okay. We can do this. Okay, how do we how do we move forward? And all the specialists in your, you know, as your that's part of your support team can definitely help you, encourage you, and keep you moving on. But no. you know, I can't stress enough it's expectations and trying and encouraging your child to try new things. You know, they may not do it well the first time, but again, with practice, you'll be surprised. Do you recommend that these parents, that they try to meet other families with children with low vision? Absolutely. You can learn different techniques. You learn, so you learn different techniques that are out there that maybe you haven't thought of. Um, you, you know, you you know that you're not the only one going through something like this. The kids can meet a friend and know that they're not the only child with low vision and that their situation is unique. There's there's bonding that happens, and absolutely, parents definitely should um, get out and meet each other. I know that um, like Blind Children's Learning Center, the first to five uh, network meeting has a family event. I know. Uh, partners for Pediatric Vision, we do family events. Grill Institute probably has opportunities for families to get together as well. So I really encourage families to get together um, so that they can learn from each other, support each other, help each other. Absolutely. 
I think that it's very important. And as you were mentioning, too, these different organizations, there's many organizations in your community that have clubs or programs. And it is so great to be with other people with low vision. And I find that parents really, really appreciate it. They really appreciate that so much. Yeah, and um, I encourage, um, you know, parents to kind of look around to see in their community what's available. Um, having the Internet at your fingertips, it really has opened up. You can do a lot of research and find out if there's any local agencies that can help you as well. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, would you tell everybody about the Braille Challenge competition that's going on this weekend? Oh, so Braille, um, the Braille Institute has an annual um, event where they celebrate um, Braille readers. Uh, and they have gone through, they have their regional um, ones early in the year. And then um, on June 15th, or 14th and 15th, they have the, the finals. And actually, I believe it's international because I think people come from different areas and they compete. Um, doing Braille. It could be reading graphs and passages. They could comprehension and speed. And they actually have different divisions. I think like like, um, freshmen, which are um, younger kids, all the way to um, high school kids to compete and celebrate being Braille uh, Braille readers. And it's an incredible event. Um, I am happy to say that my husband, Keith, is on their board. And we are looking forward to it um, on the 21st and 22nd. Yeah, it's on the 21st and 22nd. It's at, it's at USC, which is great because the kids get to go and stay at a college as they do this incredible event. And what others, it, I love the fact that it is at USC because it shows these kids that being on a college campus is attainable and you know, just to follow your dreams. It's, it's a phenomenal event. Phenomenal event. Yes, it really is. And the kids just think it is so much fun. They forget about the fact that it's a competition and they're they're uh, uh, competing for prize money. <laughs> um, they have a blast there. They they are just they have different events and then they have dinners together. They have breakfast together. They make bonds. Um, they have friends that, you know, sometimes they, they meet lifelong friends there as well. And so these kids realize that, you know, they're not the only ones with a, a visual impairment. There's others like that and that they're celebrating their strength and um, being girl readers. And it's just incredible. Well, Diane, how can parents who are interested uh, find some of these other organizations that you mentioned, or is the easiest thing for them to uh, email your organization? Oh, they can definitely email um, email our, our organization or the Grill Institute or anything like that. Absolutely, and um, my our email is partners for pediatric vision. It's all one word at gmail dot com. Okay, one more time. It's partners for pediatric vision at gmail.com, or my email is at my name, Diane L. Christian, at gmail.com, and that's D-I-A-N-E-L, 
C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N at gmail.com. And I'm happy to there's other websites like um, American um, Foundation for the Blind, like AFB. They have, a, you know, they're a great resource as well to look up. Um, and they may be able to help as well if you're, like, outside of California. But I'd be happy to help as much as I can. So, yeah, definitely reach out. Great. And, Patty, are there any other types of comments that you would like to add to help parents and family members with knowing how to raise these kids and what have you experienced from the support from people such as Diane and Partners for Pediatric Vision? I agree with Diana, just including our children in everyday activities, you know. It may take a little longer, but patience and just giving them the opportunity to explore and to be a part of everything. Um, and, you know, there are wonderful support groups out there. I know we have a few parent groups every year, and just having parents meet other parents and children, meeting other children so that they're, they know they're not alone. Um, it, it's a great opportunity also to meet um, families with older children because sometimes I think it's a scary thing when, you know, you have a newborn or a young child, one, two years old, and, you know, it's hard to envision what the future may look like but when you meet other families with older children, it just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful opportunity to almost put sometimes a little ease in your mind because you're like, wow, you know, these children yeah. can do so many things. There's so many possibilities that I think parents sometimes um, don't realize it, kind of like what you were talking about in the beginning. You know, we do everything for our children, and we forget that they can learn to do it for themselves. Uh, you know, yeah. and seeing these older children... Being so independent, it, yes. um, it's wonderful. Getting, getting married, they have their own job, they have their own Yes. <laughs> you know, or even That's going enough. out to Braille Challenge and seeing these, these, oh, amazing students and just all their accomplishments. It, it's wonderful. So oh, I'm going to tell you guys a story. So um, when my husband was at the middle school that you went to, Dr. Bill, he had a classroom for the visually impaired, and one of his kids, Matt, um, he was supposed to go to Grill Institute, but he missed the bus. And back in the day, we can't do it He now. missed the bus? Um, Is that what you said? He, Your phone's yes, breaking up a little bit. Uh, yeah, he missed the bus, and he wasn't able to um, go to the Grill Institute. He was taking judo or something like that. So uh, my husband, Keith, called the mom and said, hey, I'll just take Matt home, pick him up from our house. And um, he, we had a really good relationship with the mom, so she said, fine, and we lived really close to the school. And when we got to our house, it just happened to be that our front yard needed to be mowed. And Keith looked at Matt and said, Matt, you're mowing our yard. Mm. And Matt looked at him and goes, no, I'm not. And he goes, yes, you are. And so Keith got out the lawnmower and he showed Matt how you started by, you know, by pulling uh, the string or the, the cord. And, you know, he, he kind of showed him what he was supposed to do and kind of how to mow the yard. And, and he just went for it. And he had a smile on his face from ear <laughs> to ear. He, it, was just, it was just incredible because no one, you know, it was just something that he's never done. Well, wow. at that time, he was halfway through it. At that time... His mom pulled up, 
and she got out of the car, <laughs> and there's this tear flowing down her face. And we're like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and the mom just, she was, it was tears of joy. She goes, no one has ever gave him that opportunity to do something so normal for a teenager boy. And, you know, it, I think that's part of, you know, parenting is allowing them to try things, of giving them the opportunities just to try. And um, that was one of my favorite stories of him being at um, that school. Oh, that's a wonderful story, and it really sums up everything that you've been saying tonight, is that we just have to let these kids try doing the things that everybody else would do. They may do it differently, but they could do these things. Thank Absolutely. you very, very much. Dr. Christian, is there any other last comments that you would like to say to our audience? Um, just, you know... For parents that have a child with special needs, um, find people that can support you, that will encourage you, that will support your child. Build that support team as much as you can. Um, and again, give your, your child opportunities to learn and to grow. Great. They're amazing. Thank you. And, Thank and you. just to celebrate, celebrate their strengths. Celebrate their strengths. That's wonderful. And Patty... Would you like to share your email address with some of our audience if they want to ask you questions? Um, yes, my email is um, plgallardo at brailleinstitute.org. Um, you can also contact the office if anybody has questions at the Child Development Department at area code 323-906-3112. Very good. And one more time, the phone number? The phone number is area code 323-906-3112, and that's for the Child Development Department very at the Braille good. Institute. Very, very good. Well, I want to thank all of you for your time and all of your knowledge that you shared with us this evening, and we want to thank also uh, Dr. Joe Yurka from Airs LA for recording this. This podcast will be available within a few days at www.airsla.org. That's A-I-R-S-L-A.org. And also at the Institute.org. So once again, thank you very much. And we hope to see you again next month when we talk more about low vision. Good night, everybody. <laughs>